Welcome to The Way Church Service with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 514 Smithfield Avenue in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. She's got verse 26, but we're backing up. Go back to verse 19. Teaching about money and possession. How fitting for the message. How fitting. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I get an amen for that. What's the Bible saying? You can't take it with you. Everything that we have, God's given us. And He wants us to use it to glorify Him. Amen? I laid my life down. It's not just money. It's about our heart. Where's our heart? Are we willing to sacrifice our time and our talent to the benefit of the ministry? That's the reason why God called us and saved us. Amen? Or are we still consumed with ourselves? Let me tell you something. God's way is the only way. Amen? He created us. He wants us to use the resources to build His kingdom. Amen? <clears throat> not ours. Look at verse 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. Big, that's a big amen there, amen? There's two masters. You can't serve two. Everybody wants what they want here and heaven too. God says, no, you have to give it all to, to me. That's where it belongs. Now let's keep going. This is what the Bible says. Now look what it says. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautiful as they are. <clears throat> and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. 
Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? Look at verse 32 now. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Why should believers let that dominate their thoughts? This is what they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Here it is, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, is number one, and live righteously or live right, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen? What a perfect, beautiful scripture that is. Amen? Thank you, Jesus, right? He takes care of us. We think that we have to store up things down here to take care of us. He says, no, that's not going to take care of you. Why do we worry about that? Worry about nothing. Just give it to God. Live righteously. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need. So he said, if you put God first, don't you worry about what you have. God's going to take care of you. Do you trust him? That's the question. You say you're a believer and you trust God. Do you trust him with all your life? Your resources, your money, everything. Or do you have to... You, the Bible says you can't serve both. Either you love one or hate the other. So you can't come here and say, I love money and love the Lord. If you say you love the Lord, that means you hate money. But when you, let me tell you something, when you switch over to Christianity and you become spiritual, money means nothing to you. Because you can't take it with you. It has no eternal value. And when he gives it to you, let me tell you something, the best thing you can do is use it to glorify him and serve his kingdom. Amen? I already made that decision. I already gave my life to him. I don't know how long we've been doing this for. Think when did we start? Law 2006. I've been working for the Lord since 2006. Guess what? My pay's in heaven. Never took a dime. Why? Because He says there's better things in heaven. Amen. Good. Twenty dollars or two million? What's the difference? Two million don't want to get me in trouble. Hey, right? it opened doors that I'd never be able to open. The Bible says in Proverbs, don't make me too poor where I have to steal, Lord. Or don't give me too much where it's going to make me walk away from you and put you first. Amen? Just keep me somewhere in the middle, and that's just where I am. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? The best place to be instead of being a hoarder. Amen? Amen. All right. All right. So let's... Um, that was beautiful scripture. How fitting. Thank you, Mary. We're going to talk about this spiritual warfare. We have an enemy. A nasty enemy that we can't see. And in spiritual warfare, especially now that we're trying to advance this ministry, you can expect the devil to get into your thought process so bad right now that he's going to try to make you fall into every sinful activity and make you feel guilty and shameful like you're never worthy to even come to church. Amen? That's what he's going to try to do to you. And how many of us are still heaped with guilt and shame and condemnation, not remembering that Jesus cleansed us from all that? Amen? He's no longer holding our sins against us, so we shouldn't hold them against us or anybody else anymore. Can I get an amen for that? But the devil keeps hitting us with guilt and shame and like we can't toe the line. It's so important to understand, okay, that we are not warring against flesh and blood, okay, but against principalities and powers in the unseen world. The war is finally won when you recognize that these thoughts are not your own and you resist them. Okay, get an amen for that. Ephesians 6, 10 to 13 says, don't say it. 
Don't go there. Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Okay? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's creepy. Can I get any amen for that? We can't even see our enemy coming. How do I know? I'll say this. I'm the pastor. I get on my knees and pray. Praying to the Lord. Sometimes I, I call it holy amnesia. I can't remember anything I'm praying for. Then all of a sudden, this thought comes into my head. Okay, when I'm praying to my Father in heaven, that is so wicked and evil that I didn't even see it coming. So how do I, so I know that there's something out there that comes in and I can't see it? Because yep. if I could have seen it, I would have never let that get in. So we know that there's a fourth. Is any, am I the only one that goes through this in their prayer process? No, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? So we know it's an unseen enemy. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so you will be able to resist in the evil day. We're going to talk about the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. So we're going to talk about what Ephesians 6.13 means. The evil day. What's an evil day? When desire, temptation... An opportunity me. That's the evil day, okay? Let me tell you something. I'm going to talk about this. Because of the wide scope and power of spiritual evil that faced by believers, Paul reminds Christians that all these tools are critically important, okay? God's armor is a package, not a cafeteria of items from which we can select, okay? We must have salvation in God's word. We need prayer and righteousness, not one or the other. All of these areas must work together to operate effectively. Amen? We can't pick and choose which ones we want to use. Paul often groups interconnected spiritual ideas together to emphasize their importance. Okay? An example is his reference to the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Which mentions nine total attributes in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. So you can start turning your page there, because that's where we're going. This is a literary technique meant to imply that all listed areas are essential for the believer. Okay? This avoids the misrepresentation, misinterpretation of picking and choosing which instructions a person wishes to pursue while neglecting others. It's the whole package. Can I get an amen for that? You believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, right? We all know that, right? Okay. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is going to tell us what the Holy Spirit produces, something that you can't produce, okay? Listen to me now. You can't produce this. This is something that the Holy Spirit produces in your life, okay? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. Joy. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no war against these things. All these things we can't produce in our flesh. We can't be faithful to Him. We, all our goodness, we've got conditions on our kindness. we got conditions in our patience. How many of us can honestly say we're patient in everything? Huh? That's, we're not born with patience. The Bible says the fruit of the Spirit. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He gives you His patience. So now we have to say, when I'm being impatient, am I letting the fruit of the Spirit run my life? No, I'm not. I'm not using what the Bible tells me I have. I'm using my power, 
my impatience. Can I get an amen for that? So don't tell me that you can do it. We're not patient in our nature. We're patient in certain areas, but when something, when we're very impatient in others, right? Like waiting in line, or especially when we got to get somewhere, right? Or we didn't wake up, or we didn't plan it ahead of time, and we say, oh, we got to get somewhere. And then we get so impatient because there's traffic and there's things in the way, and we say, I got to get there, I got to get there. Well, because you didn't plan ahead, now that there's setbacks, we get all in a tizzy and blame other people for um, being late instead of planning ahead, right? So we become what? Impatient. And we blame it on everything else except us. That we, I was impatient. I didn't set it up right and plan for this. I get an amen for that. The Holy Spirit lets us look ahead and makes us gives us the time. Then it says, since we are living by the Spirit, now 25. Listen what it says in 25. It doesn't say have the Spirit. It says living by it. Can I get an amen for that? It says living by the Spirit. Okay? Not just having the Spirit, living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now, what stops the Spirit from leading our lives? Sin. Our sin nature stops us from hearing and letting the Spirit lead our lives. Can I get an amen for that? That's what it is. Listen, now it says, let us follow the Spirit in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited, spiritually proud, or provoke one another, or be jealous of one another. You see it? So he's saying we have all these fruits, but in the end he's saying let us not get conceited. Just because we have them doesn't mean we're going to use them. This is something we have to willfully do. Choose to use them. Because if not, there's people that come to church with spiritual pride. Right? I read the Bible from God. I got it all down. I know more than the pastor. I know more than God. Thou fool, Jesus said. You know nothing. If you think you know everything, that means you know nothing, the Bible says. So you're supposed to stay like a little child in church. So let him teach you. Or provoke one another. You know what provoking one another is? Picking at someone's weakness. Picking at them. You know that you're getting them ruffled up and you just keep going. It's like picking at a scab, right? Until it comes off. Instead of leaving it alone and let it heal, Right? Or let us not be what? Jealous of one another. Somebody gets blessed in the ministry? Oh, I was here longer. I deserve that. <laughs> really? What kind of spirit do you have in you? The spirit of jealousy is from the devil. It affects our thought process. These are a battle for the thoughts. Can I get an amen for this? This is a power. That is a spirit. It's a spirit of jealousy. It's a spirit of conceit. Of, of um, arrogance. It's a spirit to provoke one another. And cause problems. These are spirits that we think that we don't think that's the devil. Oh, that's the devil. And guess what? He works through believers. He works through believers. Can any, honestly anybody say that the devil doesn't use them anymore? You can't tell me you've never been jealous. I see conceited people come to church all the time thinking that because they come to church all the time, they're smarter than everybody else. Spiritual, that's all pride. That's all spirit of pride. It's not the spirit of Jesus, okay? Now listen. Those who put on the full armor of God are promised certain benefits. Okay? The evil day can refer to any moment of spiritual attack. Okay? It does not refer to a future last day scenario. Okay? Believers are to constantly be on God, living prepared with God's armor. Also, believers who wear God's armor can stand firm. Now, standing firm is a phrase. Okay? Used in connection with success with God. In the Old Testament, 
Listen to what I'm saying. Standing firm is a phrase used in connection with success with God in the Old Testament. Exodus 14, 13. Chronicles 20, 17. Psalms 89, 28. Isaiah 46, 8. Daniel 11, 32. So we understand standing firm is having the power of God and being successful in letting God take care of you. Amen? And the Old Testament gives us evidence of that all the time. As with verse 11, the phrases used in this verse strongly imply defense over offense. Okay? This is not to say that Christians are never called on to actively engage falsehoods like 2 Corinthians 10.5. Rather, it's a reminder, okay, that in our spiritual battle, God will win the victory. Again, amen for that? God will win the victory. We are not called on to charge against Satan, but to endure his attacks until Christ wins the ultimate triumph. Amen? When we understand that our old self is dead, this is the question. When we can actually understand that my old self is crucified, is this is when we get the power, okay? We don't try to fight with him anymore. When we realize that I'm dead, we don't have to fight with the devil anymore. A dead person's not jealous. Listen, think about this. A dead, a dead, a dead person's not greedy. A dead person's not impatient. They're dead. When you're dead to your old life, you're dead to them old emotions that the devil's using to try to keep you captive. Can I get an amen to that? You die to this life. Go to Romans 6. This is, this is we're going to tie this in. We have to understand where we are with Christ. All right, not, not my thing. Good? Okay. Look at Romans 6, verse 6. Everybody with me so far? Listen, we have a lot of power. We just have to understand that we're dead to the old one. We know. Look at verse 6. Paul is saying this. In verse 6 of Romans chapter 6, he says that we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. Why? So that sin might lose its power in our lives. See, when you realize that you're dead, that means that the sin loses its power. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when you died with Christ, you were set free from the power of sin. That's what he said you've got to get born again for. You have to die. That has to go. Right? And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. Amen? He's living with us now. We're going to be living with him either. Now, there's one more verse that's going to tie this in too. Go to Galatians chapter 2. I did a lot of research on this, and it's very helpful if you listen now. This is a ministry about what? Change. Crucifying ourselves and becoming the new creation that Jesus died to make us become. Amen? Look what it says in verse Galatians chapter 2. Verse 20, Apostle Paul. Verse 20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So, the, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see it? 
What does it say? My old self has been crucified. What's my old self? My old sin nature in Adam has been crucified. It's no longer that who lives, but Christ lives in me. That's why he says, consider yourself dead to the power of sin. Why we still do it is because we don't believe that. Or we don't understand that you're dead to it. Remember it says in 1 Peter, forgetting that you've been cleansed from your sins. If you forget that you've been cleansed from your sins, you'll keep committing that. You have to remember that you're dead to them sins. And when it comes, you have to understand it's going to come in the thought process. You're not going to feel like you're dead to them. Let me, let me keep going with this. Because our thoughts, listen now, because our thoughts are manifestations of evil spirits and not just bad ideas, okay? When you decide to resist them, it becomes a struggle. Can I get an amen for that? An intense battle for land in the spirit realm. Where's the spirit realm? It's up here. It's the space in our mind. Can I get an amen for that? We're getting this. We're getting this. The battle's up here. Most people retreat or digress to try to find peace or solace instead of pressing in and defeating the enemy. Spiritual conflict. Spiritual conflicts most often occur when we advance into new territory. When we try to grow spiritually, okay? That is inhabited by evil spirits, okay? When we try to, we try to get the new territory. Remember I said you're going to push out the old and fill it with the new? Remember he says you have to defeat the giants? Well, there's giants, there's evil spirits in us that we sold out to it that's still in our mind that hold us captive. So when you go in there to try to overtake them, you're going to get resistance. It's the same thing as if you were fighting on the front lines. When you try to resist being jealous of somebody, when you try to resist hating, when you try to resist being impatient, you see the attack coming. You can't. It doesn't want to. It wants to be impatient. It wants to do it. Can I get an amen for that? It's a battle when you say, I'm not going to be like that today. You say that, and two minutes later, you're doing it. Because we can't fight it in the flesh. The battle is of the thoughts. It's the devil's battle is battling you. He already occupied them places, those places in your mind. These are the places he's occupied in your mind. These are evil spirits. Everybody doesn't think evil spirits are flying around. No, it's the spirit of anger. Spirit of jealousy. The spirit of what? Greed. These are spirits that occupy a believer's mind from a world system that's been controlling it. You have to understand that. And people don't get it and they think it's outward. It's all in here. What causes us to do the outward things? I'm trying to tell you when that comes that you have the power to say no to us. I'm dead to that. I'm not a jealous person anymore. That's not who I am anymore. That's dead. Get behind me, sir. It's done. I'm not like that anymore. You have to, you have to tell, actually tell yourself that because you're not going to feel it. Listen to me. Listen, spiritual conflicts most often occur when we advance into new territory that is uninhabited, inhabited by evil spirits. Much like Joshua's promised land experience or Nehemiah's rebuilding of the walls. People have been reading the Old Testament, right? Because we do the daily walk here. We teach truth here, right? It's important to understand these principles. The enemy defends his territory when we are pushing forward into the new land. The promised land. Most Christians are completely unaware that these are real spirit wars. So they retreat at the first sign of conflict. Failing to recognize the true source of the battle. 
We're not going to do that here. We're going to recognize who it is so we have power over it. Amen? You can't defeat an enemy you don't know about. That's why you have to know where the enemy is. You know what as well as I do when you get angry with somebody. Tell me you're being godly when you're angry. You're telling me I'm standing up for God, right? And you're over there cursing people. Saying I'm being... No, it's a deceit. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Nothing good's coming out of your mouth when you're angry. Nothing healthy, nothing good. The Bible says we're to build up and edify people. Not destroy and tear them down. Okay? Understand. It's important to understand that evil spirits attack you by giving you thoughts that are compelling. Listen to me now. In other words, they make you feel like you want to do them. Okay? Even though they are the opposite of your history and new nature. They give you a desire to want them. They make you feel like you want to do them. I want to get my point across. I want to be angry. I want to be impatient. And then you end up following it. These are different voices that are not good for us. They're the voice of the enemy. Then those same spirits accuse you of having these thoughts and feelings after. If you believe these accusations, you lose confidence in yourself and God's ability to keep you. This starts a spiral down into depression, anxiety, and self-hatred. That's the devil. Now I want to talk about practical warfare. Are we getting this? You see what it does? These are enemies. These are, these are, these are demonic influences that are in our mind. <clears throat> the truth is that evil spirits have no power over you. Even though it feels like they do. Here it is. They do not have power over you, but it feels like that they do. See, God's word is factual. Spiritual, the, the devil's is, is, is through your emotions and feelings. Oh, I don't feel like going to church. I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. And the devil makes you succeed. And then after he says, look at you, Christian. Look what you just did. He makes you feel guilty after what he told you to do. He's sneaky and he's smart. And then we feel like we disappointed the Lord. Okay? Listen, we'd rather you have power over them. Secondly, these battles come in waves and they will not last forever. Remember, if it's not good, it's not the end. And lastly, you probably did nothing wrong to cause this battle. We have to understand this. You didn't even do anything. As a matter of fact, you are most likely experiencing this battle because you are doing something right. Here are a few more things to hold on to while you walk through the valley, okay? Engage the enemy, okay? Don't be afraid, number one. But instead, remember the Lord. Go to Nehemiah chapter 4. I'm trying to help you here. You getting this? Let me tell you something. You don't get much of this in church. Yeah, Nehemiah 4. This church teaches truth and how to fight with spiritual weapons. Look at verse... Um, 14 of Nehemiah 4. I'll give everybody a minute to get there. It's not a common <laughs> it's not a common thing. It's okay. Hey. 
They were trying to rebuild the wall. They were the enemy was trying to intimidate them. Remember? Nehemiah 4, look at verse 14. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious. And fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Did you see it? He said not to be afraid of your enemy. Now, it's a different kind of battle. Back then, it was like this. Now it's up here, and we fight on our knees. Okay? We don't fight that way anymore. We fight spiritual warfare now, amen? This was literal to explain the spiritual. So you can grasp it. That's why the Old Testament, we need to know it. The literal returns into a spiritual thing. I get amen for that. It says what well, it says. Remember the Lord who was great and glorious and fight for what? Your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He didn't say fight for you. He said fight for them. Listen, we don't defeat our enemies by fighting for ourselves. We defeat our enemies by fighting them for others so we don't get enslaved by sin to glorify God. Amen? We're self-destructive. We don't do it for us. We do it for our brothers, our sisters, our Lord, our wives, and our children. That's why we over-resist sin and temptation. Because we're self-destructive. If it's up to us, we'll keep doing it. I'm not hurting anybody. Yes, you are. Every time you sin, you hurt yourself, you hurt others, and you hurt your church. Don't think that you don't. The way you live when you leave here is everything. Second, remember the testimonies in your life. They are weapons of warfare. Fill yourself with faith by holding on to testimonies from other people's lives too. Go to Revelation chapter 19. Ooh, Revelations. Don't worry, we're going to be doing a study on Revelations. It's going to take years for me to prepare for that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mention it till I'm ready for it. Remember, look at Revelations 19.10. Move around in the Bible, uncharted waters, huh? Well, guess what? The Word of God is from Genesis to Revelations. Every Word of God is true and helpful to help us and tell us where we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. The whole Bible. Look what it says in Revelation 19.10. Then I fell down at his feet to worship him. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. You see it? Or this message confirmed by Jesus. Our witness is for Jesus through an experience in our life and a testimony what he did for you. That's what a witness is. Something that you experience. Imagine going into court and saying you're a witness. A witness for what? What did you see? Were you going to witness for the Lord when you never witnessed anything with Him? It's false witness. You have to experience it to witness it. 
Everybody said, oh, everybody's a witness. No, you're not a witness. So you actually experience the God coming through for you. And that's when you glorify God. You don't glorify yourself. Like, he did for me what I couldn't do for myself. He saved me from myself. Something I could never do. All glory goes to my Savior. That's why I give my life to him. Because he did for me what I can't do for myself. Because I was dead in my sins and trespasses. And he brought me back to life. And he wants to bring you back to life by you giving your life to him. He says, you give your life to me, I'm going to give you your life back. But if you try to hang on to your life down here, you're going to lose it. That's what the Bible says. And what do people try to hang on to? Their possessions, their money, and their pride. Instead of saying, I'm going to let it all go for him. And that's why the churches suffer. Instead of giving it to God, they keep it for themselves. And saying, oh, how do I know the money's going to go to God? Let me tell you something. When your heart is right, God knows. Wherever you put it, wherever it goes, God knows. It doesn't matter where it goes. It matters where your heart is when you give it. And if anybody's been coming here that long knows that we don't use money here for anything or ask for anything. Everything we do is for nothing. But guess what? It costs money to put the lights on. It costs money to get a building. It costs money for you to be sitting there. Other than that, the message is clear. Give your life to him and he'll give you your life back. And if you don't, you'll never get your life down here. That's just the way it goes. And that's why you see miserable Christians. Because they want all this in heaven too. They can't have both. When you let go of that, it's like, it's like throwing bag. You know that show baggage? It's like throwing it all down. It's like throwing off dirty clothes and putting on the righteous, shining armor of right living and getting rid of that life. That's something you have to do. Put on. Put on your new nature, truly righteous and holy, like God. Amen? We getting this? This is important. Okay, the other one, the third one. Remember the work you are doing is noble. Okay? Remember that the work you're doing for the Lord is a very noble thing. Okay? Go to Nehemiah 6. This is awesome, isn't it? The spiritual war. Once you understand spiritual warfare, it's like, it's on. I'm not falling into that jealous act no more. I'm not falling into that greedy, self Senate act anymore. I'm just going to give. I'm going to give my life to him because he gave my he gave me my life back. And when you do that and you go all in, you know, people know the card games, right? They say, I'm all in. They put all the chips in the pot. Everything's gone. That's what God wants from you. He says, once you go all in with me, you will not believe the things I'm going to do in your life. Amen. Until you hold back, you're not going to get what the promise. You're not going to get the promise. And still of us have trust issues with God, right? I still can't let it all go. I can't let go of all my time, all my talents, and all my treasures. I'm not done down here building my kingdom. Remember the, remember the guy said, oh, I'm almost ready. i got to build my storehouses. Yeah. Then the day came. Yeah. Thou fool. Today your souls reply to you. Somebody else is going to get all that. And you ain't going to heaven. Now what? Because that was your God. That was your God. You built your God down here. He said, you built your life on the created, 
not the creator. Look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 6. Verse 3. So I replied, by sending this message to them, I am engaged in a great work, so I can't come. Why should I stop working to come and meet with you? Amen. He said, I'm working for the Lord. I'm not wasting my time with nothing else. Why should I come and meet with you? My time is for God. He comes first in my life. Remember, the work you're doing is noble. Listen, the apostle, um, King David said to the king that wanted to give him the bull to sacrifice, he says, no, I will give nothing to the Lord unless it costs me something. It costs me my time, and I have to sacrifice my treasure to him. That's a sacrifice, not when you're comfortable and convenient. He says, no, when you say no to something and yes to me, something that you want, and say yes to me, that's a sacrifice. Not just my convenience coming to church. It's like when you say, no, no, your brother needs you, you go. Forget what you want. It's what God wants, and he called you, and he put you in a situation, you drop it, and you go. Just like anybody here, I hope. If somebody has a need here, you'll just, all right, what is it? It's on, what, am I, what do you need? That's what the body of Christ is supposed to be like. To help each other and build each other up and be available when church isn't running. Can I find you when if I needed you right tomorrow? Can I call you? Are you available? Oh, well, tomorrow's my day. Right? No, no. Every day is God's day. And when he puts a situation in front of you, you should just answer it. Amen? Other than that, you're just being selfish. You say, but I went to church, so I did my duty. That's what religion does. I did my religious duty. Now it's my time. I'm going to do it my way instead of God's way. One body, many parts. One body you belong to. Can I get an amen for that? And always remember who you are. The fourth one. I'm going to keep you a little bit longer so we can say this. The enemy will try and convince you that you are defeated. But the truth is that you're a victor. He'll try to convince you that you're the worst person in the world. But the truth is that you're the apple of God's eye. Destined to change the world. Speak the truth about who you are over yourself with every assault that comes your way. Last one. Closing scriptures. Romans 8. Look what it says in Romans 8, verse 37. Look what it says. Verse 37. No, despite all these things. Okay, what is he talking about all these things? All these issues and all these problems and all this turmoil that I'm going to fight in this battle, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You see it? It doesn't matter what's going on. We are victorious in Christ. 
In Christ is meaning in the word. These words are more uh, the truth, the reality, not what's in our mind. It's the words of God. That's what he says. Overwhelming and victory is through Christ Jesus, which is through the words of God. Who loved us. So you understand, when you understand how much he loves you, you cannot fail. You can't fail. Victory is ours. He loves us unconditionally. The devil tries to beat us up and say, he can't love me today. I was so bad. Like I said, he's the apple, we're the apple of his eye. We're his masterpieces. Amen. And it's not because of our sin. It's because of our faith. And if it was for our sin, none of us are going to make it. We can't stop sinning. We have a sin problem. But now we have a son solution. Jesus, who loved me. He says, if you come to me, I'm going to make you not want that anymore. I'm going to make you want me more than you want that. That's what the spiritual life is. Wanting him more than you want your sins. Not having both. Grace is not to have both. Grace is to get rid of the worst one. You. He gives us the grace to change and have a new life in Christ. Amen? Not both. You'll love one and hate the other. Now when you become a Christian in the spirit, you start to hate your flesh. Because you see how much of a problem it causes you in trying to walk with the Lord. Not with other people's, your own. So boy, I can't, I can't do all these things. My flesh is so evil, it's greedy, selfish. It doesn't want to do anything. I hate it. Get it? He makes us hate sin and love him. New creations. Amen? All right, we're going to stop there. Thank you for letting me share that, all right? God is good, man. This is good stuff right here. I'm going to teach you. You're going to get this. Believe me. We're going to get it. Just hang in there. Remember, it's a spiritual battle. Brittany's going to come up and sing, and we are going to close.
You want to come close us? Yes. Thank you. everybody have a great night until we meet again god bless peace